This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at trylifemd.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. Hey guys, welcome to this fun episode of TFL Talking Cars. And today, uh, instead of Tommy, I've got my man, Nathan. Uh, hi, Nathan. How are you doing? I'm good. Can you guys tell the difference? Tommy and I are almost identical, but yeah. A little bit older and a little bit heavier, Nathan. No, he's not. <laughs> <laughs> and today, guys, we're going to be talking about the top 10 future collectibles. These are cars that, uh, well, we would buy if we had an unlimited budget. If we were doing like stupid rich reviews, well, these are actually affordable. Like, yeah, actually, most of these are. As a matter of fact, we've actually owned a few of these. Yeah, 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 yeah. And actually, we own one right now. So um, some of them are stupid rich, some of them are affordable. Uh, so buckle up if you're driving. If you're running along, keep running, and uh, the next edition of TFL Talking Cars is coming up right after this intro. Sit back and relax, or keep driving if you're driving. TFL Talking Cars is on the air, the world's most popular car podcast. Okay, maybe not yet, but we're working on it. All right, Nathan, let's get right to it. What's number 10? And this is one we certainly drove. It is one we drove. Now, guys, take yourselves back to almost 11 years ago. Roman and I, one of our earliest videos together was with this car, and it's the Tesla Roadster. Yeah, produced from 2008 to 2012, costing anywhere from, well, about 112 to 150,000 when it was new. Uh, and uh, it was, you know, basically a hybrid. Not that it was gas and electric, but that it wasn't completely built by Tesla. No, no, it had a Lotus body basically from a lease. And the thing about that car was it was Tesla's first step into a much larger world. It wasn't so much the car design, it was the powertrain that was important. Yeah, it was kind of a proof of concept for Tesla. Uh, so what happened was, we can tell the story right, Sure. Uh, 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 Elon's brother, Kimball Musk, lives here in Boulder uh, and uh, Elon wanted a store. So uh, they got this deal where they could actually open up a store on the Pearl Street Mall. Uh, and the state of Colorado gave them a, if I recall right, a $42,000 tax credit, not deductible credit, right. uh, on, the on any Tesla that, that was um, bought before the end of the year. And the only Tesla that they were selling at that time 
of course, was uh, the Roadster, and I think it was going for like 150,000. Uh, right now, they're actually, according to eBay, at least, they're right around the 60 to 70 thousand dollar range. But you know what? It's like it's like buying the Model T, right? It's it's if Tesla, which we think will happen, will become an iconic company, the very first one will become valuable. It it may now. Bear in mind, there were a couple different versions there were, yeah. of the uh, Roadster. There was one that had a two-speed automatic transmission to it, sort of automatic, and then there was the one-speed, basically. Um, very different cars. We drove one. <laughs> In the snow. In the snow. With, with, Park. with, with, with uh, racing tires on it, or, well, street tires yeah. on it, and barely maintained control. That was a crazy drive. Um, that was terrifying, and we barely fit. I mean, the car is tiny. Uh, yeah, and, but I was smaller then, and Roman and I still... You know, we basically, our armpit hair intertwined. Was, I want to say they built something like just over 2,000 of them and they managed to sell like 1,800. Uh, yeah. So production is really low. Uh, and I was talking to, when we bought our recent Model Y, I was talking to our um, saleswoman and she said that when they bring a Tesla Roadster in a trade-in, that uh, Tesla actually takes the car and then tears it apart for parts. Really? Mm -hmm. Well, that would so, make so sense because there's so few it. of them made, right. And, you know, it's, it's kind of cool because aside from the fact that we got to drive way back, or, you know, early on and got to really drive one, uh, I've driven one on the track, and they're really heavy, um, not the easiest car to drive on the track, but they're very, very quick. And I want to say it was like what in the three some second range zero to sixty. It was quick. Yeah, and that battery pack size was what half the size of the one that came later in the S. Yeah, there are there are some issues with buying one now. You can get them. Uh, I don't know. I don't think Tesla actually supports them anymore in terms of uh, the charging ability. So I, I'm not sure about this, but I'm I'm going to guess that you can't actually take it to a supercharger. Uh, it won't uh, work with the latest tech. So, you, you know, you're buying legacy software, basically, right? Yeah. Uh, and, and that's the biggest problem with it. But I think at some point, um, you know, give it another 20 years, if Tesla owns, uh, you know, the electric car world, then those 1,800 uh, initial roadsters are going to be very valuable because, look, uh, 1,800 sold, how many are left, you know? I don't know, less less than half maybe? Oh, I guarantee you a few of them have been crunched yeah. by, by drivers. Or, so. or, you know, turned in and then taken apart for parts. I know there's a, a guy who used to uh, work on them on the uh, West Coast. I want to say it's in Oregon or Washington uh, that now actually specializes in fixing them. I've seen some videos. And, and the cool thing about these vehicles is that a lot of, you know, relatively like famous business people and movie stars and such bought them because that was that you know initial like Tesla love affair that that the which well that was their initial investment so that that brought in popularity yeah. and money into the company yeah the rich and going. famous bought these things yeah they did yeah uh, and so you know th they still have them uh, and let's face it they're they're good looking cars the Lotus Elise was a good looking car yes it is and it's named after my wife which is awesome because that is a good looking woman um, <laughs> she doesn't watch any of my videos anyway she so. should that, that was a waste watching, of compliment look at your man loving, yeah. lovingly giving lovingly but the thing is about that car and and you know keep this in mind guys yes it looks like an Elise but they actually did some things to make it look a little bit different on the outside as well and there were unique models also on top of that, unique colors and some unique trim options. So they're not all exactly at the same price. Some of their, they had uh, more advanced um, traction systems and higher end tires and suspension systems. And all of that stuff is remember, still at, Remember the size of that little screen? Remember the Tesla screens are like this now? Oh yeah, it was, it was. It was like the size of like your watch. <laughs> And it had like three buttons, and, and if I recall, like a couple of different colors yeah. of lights in there. Yeah. And 
you know, I wasn't all that impressed with the way they laid out the interior, but the bottom line is, is that this is Genesis. This was the beginning of what is now one of the most popular car com uh, companies in the world, in some ways one of the more prolific ones, but also it could be a legendary car company in 20 years. Yeah, it also had a target top, right? You could take the top off. Yeah, that, that yeah, top, uh, yeah. it wouldn't work with us because there's no way we could sit in that car with that top on. Yeah, that was a problem. Yeah, especially <laughs> in the ice and cold. That was fun. All right, oh, let's uh, move on. Number nine, we actually recently purchased. Uh, it's up on TFL Classics. It's a first-generation Audi TT, kind of the um, poster child for what I'm calling Bauhaus design, right? This yeah, is, actually, that's what they call it, yeah, Bauhaus. Yeah, yeah uh, the kind of very minimalist uh, uh, German design. Uh, why is it special, Nathan? Well, uh, it's Audi's first Roadster, um, and, of course, it's a Roadster that comes in all-wheel drive, which is, uh, you know, very unique, most... Most convertibles do not come in all-wheel drive. There's only mm. a handful of them that you can count. Yeah. Right? We could probably count them, so there's probably that one. I don't know, does the, does the Q5 come convertible as an all-wheel drive? It I may. don't know about the Q5, but I know BMW's uh, had all-wheel drive versions of their convertibles, but not their, their Roadsters. I don't but know. Not back, not back in 1998 to 2006. No, there, there was just a couple, so I don't think back then that the... Um, you know, and you could get that uh, cross, the, the, the Mitsubishi Murano, remember that? That, that came as a, oh, as a convertible. The, the Nissan Murano. The Nissan Murano, yeah. The oh, Nissan that cross-godforsaken yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, it was a Murano convertible. And it was... That was all-wheel drive. What a miserable car that was. But he, he built it for his wife. But anyway, let's get back to... Yeah, Carlos built it for his wife. Uh, these cost anywhere from six to $13,000. Uh, uh, and they're design icons, dude. They're just really cool. You I know? will agree with you there 100% because the design was... When they came out, that's, this was when Audi was kicking butt. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? This because, was when Audi was like the epitome of sexiness. Yeah, and they were doing stuff that nobody else was doing. Yep. They weren't trying to follow a trend. They were establishing a trend. And by building this vehicle, which at the time was inherently unstable until they added that little spoiler to the back of it. Remember, they had to do a recall and add a spoiler to it. These cars were just completely unique, had one of the coolest interiors I've ever seen. The one that we bought actually has that interior. It's a baseball mitt style uh, design, and it's freaking awesome. And it's very comfortable, too. Yeah, and then uh, there's a weird thing that ha well, First of all, they're built as both coupes and, and convertibles, right? Right. Uh, so you can get them uh, as both coupes and convertibles. Uh, ours has the 1.8 liter uh, turbo. Mm -hmm. uh, there's also a naturally aspirated. The way you can tell them apart is the bigger engine, the turbo, actually has two exhaust pipes. Right. Uh, the smaller engine has a single exhaust pipe. So from the back, you can tell which, which is which. Oh, the, the single exhaust ones are really rare. I, I yeah, I want to say the single exhaust initially weren't available in all-wheel drive. You had to, right. get the, to get the turbocharged one. Uh, and basically, you know, underneath, it's, uh, it's a GTI platform. It's like a GTI platform. Yeah. That and they, engine. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and they changed some of the components on it, but really, they do, do share a lot of parts. But that was smart back then because it made it a little bit more obtainable. It did go up against the 911 in terms of sales. Some people uh, cross-shopped them, even though the 911 is a far more you know, drivable vehicle in terms of hardcore drivers. But the TT was so unique and so special, so, and everybody in L.A. wanted one. So here's the secret, Nathan. Yeah, yeah. If you're going to get one of these, uh, you know, you were talking about the fact that the initial models, the early models, uh, they would flip over on the Autobahn because they weren't stable. They, they a little unstable, yeah. Yeah, and so what Audi had to do was retrofit. Initially, they retrofitted a uh, spoiler on the back, mm -hmm. and then it came from the factory. Right. So if you had bought one, you could take it to your Audi dealer, and they would you know, put the spoiler on, 
or if you uh, bought a later one, it would actually come with a spoiler. Uh, so the ones that people, which ones do you think are the most valuable out of all the products? All the ones that don't have the spoiler. Exactly, yeah, 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 yeah. If you can find one, one of the original ones where the spoiler was either not retrofitted or didn't come from the factory. Or they deleted it and they pulled it off themselves possibly. Well, so then you'd have holes. I did the, yeah, but the, the ones that really people want are the very first models that came without a spoiler uh, and never had it added. The more dangerous, the better. Yeah, well, the more scarce, the better. Uh, and ours is kind of that really cool, um, what would you call that color? It's the pewter silver? Yeah, it's kind of, a, it's not, it, there's a name for it. It's kind of a, oh God. It's, Heimlich silver? No, no, no. It's Gustav? It, it's kind of grayish. You know, it looks like lead, like the lead, like the lead in a pencil, right? Mm. Uh, and that, in combination with actually the the, the leather uh, baseball glove, is really sought after. They have a, they have the like a green and a blue color that are also absolutely fabulous on that car. Now keep in mind, those cars do need to have their belts changed. Yeah, um, like what sixty thousand? Yeah, and if you don't, you can. It's an interference engine, and if you don't, you will grenade the entire engine. So, if you're looking for one, make sure that the uh, tying belt has been changed. It's mm -hmm. a big job. It's, it's expensive. an expensive job. It's like two and a half k. But if you don't do it, and that's the problem. You got a car that's worth potentially six thousand. Who wants to put two and a half into it? So a lot of people just let it go. And if you do let it go, and if it does break, you know, if, with an interference engine, basically the the pistons and the valves and the rods will eat themselves up alive. Let's try to avoid that, Roman. All right, number eight. <laughs> yeah, the, uh, number eight is the um, Mini Cooper and uh, Mini Coupe Cooper and the Roadster. Now, these were built between uh, 2012 and 2015. Not that long ago. Not that long ago. Nope. And we've driven both versions of it. Very, actually, a variety of different versions of those versions. And I can tell you, without a doubt, especially with the Coupe. It's one of the worst driving cars I've ever driven. <laughs> it's absolutely, and I love minis. If you, if you have feelings, you won't after you drive oh, it. I, I, there's a reason why my kids stopped coming after I drove that. The, the thing is, is that it's a rough riding car. There, there's especially some, with a sports suspension. Especially with that sports suspension. You can't see out of it with that weird roof thing. So, they so wanted it to look like a, a baseball hat. Baseball reversed. hat backwards, yeah. Whatever. Yeah, and, and then the Roadster, of course, is a convertible. Yeah, and, and, and the convertible's better. Yeah. It makes more sense. Yeah. yeah, a lot more sense. But yeah, the bottom line is um, the, the, these are both two-seat vehicles. They don't really make much sense for existence because there's a four-seat version of both of those cars basically and they make more sense and they handle about the same without the crappy ride. Yeah, so the uh, coupe sells for between 9 and 15 and the Roadster between 13 and 16. Obviously, you know, I, I love a lot of these things so far have one thing in common is that they're all convertibles and convertibles are highly collectible because they're not used as daily drivers and people use them as, you know, fun toys or weekend vehicles. And they're not built as often either. The numbers are much, much smaller in terms of uh, production. Yeah, and then Mini got, kind of got the engine right in 2012. Earlier versions of that car had uh, problems with, um, well, all kinds of problems. Uh, fuel pump, high pressure fuel pumps. Tommy has one that he just had to replace. It was, uh, the pump itself was uh, $600. Jeez. Yeah, just for the fuel. And you can't get like the aftermarket pump because the car will eat it alive. So you, you can get the first aftermarket pump and you'll get another one a month from now. So you got to go with the, I think it's a Bosch. I think you have to go with the original, which is like 600 bucks. Uh, but anyway, they, they sorted that out by 2012 and they didn't sell a lot of them. No, they no. didn't, for good reason. It just didn't make sense. <laughs> but well, they really didn't. I mean, you, you're not getting a much of a performance increase, even though the car was slightly lighter and slightly smaller in some ways. 
over the regular Mini Cooper. Yeah, uh, you know, scarcity equals collectability. Uh, and once again, keep in mind, these are future collectibles. So these are cars that have depreciated. Uh, this is a time to buy them. Don't, you know, don't, we're, don't expect us to come up with cars that are already very collectible and very expensive. These yeah, are we know that the AC Cobra is very collectible, but that's not going to be on this list. These are modern collectibles. Modern collectibles. All right, number seven, Nathan. Number seven is a car I happen to love, by the mm, way. Beautiful uh, car. Yeah, I got a great story about it. Yeah. Um, that's the Jaguar F-Type. Uh, it was produced from 2013, basically to current day, although a lot of differences. Rep you know, the, the, the spiritual successor to the E-Type. Basically, yeah. in terms of its overall form e and function. E F. Uh, Colin was one of the initial designers yeah. on this car, and he does amazing work, and he's worked with uh, um, Aston Martin. Um, some models were available with a manual Murray, transmission. Murray Cullen, right? Huh? There's two brothers. Yeah, yeah, yeah I know. One's it's, a Ford, and why are we going to It's the up? cooler one. Okay, okay. <laughs> the one's Jaguar is not Ford. Yeah, it's the cool. <laughs> Whichever one is the cooler one did this one. But he also, he's the same one who I also think, did the Alfa Romeo. Yeah, I think Murray is in, in Ford. It's the other Cullen. Who's a cool guy, too, but yeah, this is yeah. a cooler guy. Okay, anyway, uh, you could get a manual transmission with up to 500 horsepower V8 engine. They're really, really, really rare, but they're really, really, really cool. Um, and right now, you can get them in the low 30s for the used uh, V6 F-Type S model, and all the way to over $123,000 for the F-Type SVR. Yeah, you know, um, when the car came out, I was so stunned by its beauty that I decided to do this video where I drove it up to Loveland Pass, and I was just trying to show it off in the mountains. Was that the white one? I think it was the white one. Yeah, yeah, and it was it was you know it was a spectacular car that my video didn't do justice to, but it did sound fabulous. Uh, the thing about the car for me, Nathan, is um, there's like a little like uh, indent in the seat, and it always hits me right like where my um, spine you know attaches to my skull. That's because you're abnormally tall, <laughs> and uh, it's super uncomfortable. Yeah. So, so as much as I love the car. I can't spend more than like, you know, it feels like somebody's poking me in the back of the neck the whole time I'm driving it. Uh, and that may be a very specific thing to Roman, but that's really what's keeping me from buying it. Uh, I think actually the coupe is more uh, sexy than oh, the convertible, God, yeah. right? Oh yeah, oh yeah, without a doubt. Yeah, yeah, what it's a, just what perfect. just a sexy car. Yeah, and then... Can't uh, see out of it. No. <laughs> and then of course you can tell the six from the, from the eight. Uh, by the exhaust, right? Mm -hmm. The six has a dual exhaust in the center. The eight has them coming out the side. The other thing that was really cool about it was they uh, did the thing where they squirted gasoline into the exhaust, so you got that kind of crackle, crackle and burble mm. part of it. Oh yeah. Um, uh, the interior was, you know, was the interior was kind of as, as sexy as the exterior was. The interior was a little plain Jane, if you recall. I, I thought it was pretty. It, it was just, pretty. It, it, had it these wasn't all that. Switches. It, it didn't. It didn't knock me out. But I, I have a story for you in a minute. And then I got to actually, they actually built the four-cylinder turbo, mm -hmm. if you yeah. recall. And I actually got to take that on the track. Uh, and I got to tell you, Nathan, out of, I've driven the four, the eight, uh, and the six. Uh, and the four was my favorite, just because you could feel how light it is. That was the F-Type, right? With the uh, manual transmission? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. On the track, I drove it in, in Europe. Uh, and uh, uh, it's least powerful, but it's also the lightest. Uh, uh, and it takes uh, what is basically a, a, a grand tour, right? Mm -hmm. And turns it into a sports car. Because the V8 is definitely a grand tour. The six also. But that four-cylinder, really lively. Not, not super powerful, but really tossable. Yeah, I, I, I may have screwed up earlier, guys. When I said that there was a 500 plus horsepower V8 and an option for a manual transmission, they didn't come together, which is a real shame because mm. can you imagine that car with that big beefy V8 and the manual? Now, a quick story. 
That is one of the few cars that actually made me look attractive to the ladies. <laughs> no, it's true. I was in Morrison, Colorado. It's by Red Rocks where they do a lot of concerts and whatnot. I was driving the car and it was the white one. And I parked outside this uh, Mexican restaurant. We've been there before. You yep. know, um, and I, this lady who, I, I, I want to be politically co uh, correct in terms of describing someone who is closer to your age now. A cougar. Uh, yes, um, a, a cougar next to a jag. And um, <laughs> she was extremely um, interesting. I was not dressed like an idiot like I normally am either. I was actually wearing... Hey, 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 hey. It, a suit. These are our TFL shirts. If you guys want one, click on the link below and help support us. Well, you, look, you won't look like an idiot. No, no, but the point is, is that I was wearing, you know, a sports jacket and a tie. And, dude, I figured out something. Yeah. You know, over the last 10 years, we've driven a lot of really kind of sexy and expensive, you know, McLarens, right, right, right. Bentleys, all this crap. None of them, none of them compare to uh, having the ladies pay attention to you like a puppy does. <laughs> and this was one of the few cases that actually happened. I've driven Lamborghinis and they've not looked at me, but this this was, and she was, yeah, it was, it was a great experience. It lasted 10 seconds for me just to say, yeah. I, and I lied, I said, yeah, it's mine. So, so I, yeah. would, I would say if, if you really want you know, the attention of the opposite sex, get yourself a puppy. On both sides of it too, because I, guys think it's sexy, women think it's sexy. It's we, just, just, we just got a new puppy, right? Yeah, and like it's like incredible. I mean, you know, bring the little guy out, Blaze, and oh, bring bring the puppy and bring the yeah. And they just swarm. They just swarm. Well, if you do both of those, then oh my God, you're 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 gonna. We can marry off half of our video you're, staff. You're gonna be James Bond. Yeah, and that's the thing. It really does make you feel like James Bond. Let's, let's move on to another sexy car, and that's yeah, the one this, that's behind this, me. This is the one that I'm actually. I always thought about buying because when I first saw it, I thought, "Oh my God, this thing is so sexy." Maybe because I went to the intro of it in Hollywood, uh, and uh, when I got to the hotel, uh, it was this beautiful Hollywood hotel uh, just off of Sunset, mm -hmm. right? Uh, and this woman got out with like high heels and gorgeous legs, and I thought, "Wow, this is a car that Ford should have designed," but it wasn't. It was designed by Heinrich. Heinrich Fisker, and we're talking about the Fisker Karma. Yes, we are. Now, the 2011 Fis to 2012 only, two years. Yeah, it, it, it was a beautiful failure. Uh, yeah, I that's mean, a, that's for a better yeah. word. I mean, it really, this car was, in terms of its exterior design, unique. You have to admit, even if you don't like the long, graceful lines or whatever, the long hood, you got to admit, it is a unique design. No other car looked like this car. But you know what the biggest problem was, Roman? The looks never matched the performance. Yeah, it had a weird old GM. It was a hybrid, basically. Yeah. So that'll, I think it was an Ecotech, right? It was the one that they put in the Polaris. I think it was the same engine. P produced like 200 horsepower. And then, of course, it had a battery. The cool thing about the Fisker, of course, was that it was eco-chic, right? So oh, there, big time. There was a lot. Of, like It had a, it had a uh, solar panel in, in the roof, so it would charge up the battery, which, you know, that power is not big enough to charge anything. But It's like 2% yeah, over 24 something, hours. Something, yeah, and then, yeah. of course... Like uh, it was uh, the interior had like uh, reclaimed beech wood. Yeah, and stuff like that. no, it was it was better. firewood. We, firewood. That it was, was reclaimed like... wood from like that sat in the bottom of the uh, the Great Lakes for like hundred years. From from a California forest fire too. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. they they had like five different versions. Yeah, they were like five different. Like, yeah. yeah, and and you could is a boutique car, so you can order a certain type of uh, fake leather with the, this wood and this you know all this. Yeah, and and the car right now they're going for about thirty-five to forty-five thousand. You see them only, only mostly in California. Well, there was a problem with those cars. Um, some of them had some issues with water. 
Well, no, what, no, what, no, no. They didn't have issues. What happened was they were built in Finland. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, they were shipped to New Jersey. And then whatever that big hurricane that was came along. Salier. Yeah, yeah. And it basically dropped <gasps> all the cars. And that was the end of Fisker. Mm. Uh, the other problem, of course, was that the car... Uh, had a battery pack made by a company specifically for the Fisker. I think it was called ABC, if I recall. Uh, and that company is out of business. So uh, if those batteries get bricked, um, you're pretty much bricking the whole car. Even mm -hmm. though it has a gas engine, it, I think the two need to work together. There, and then, there are a couple aftermarket companies that will support uh, Karma upgrades, uh, so I've heard. And Karma is not only back in business, but there's a few different versions of Karma out there. Yeah, it was bought by a Chinese company, but it's no longer the same. It's a, they bought the design. Yeah, they bought the design, but and on they top stuffed of an LS in it. Right, and then Heinrich Fisker himself is actually doing another Fisker company where he's building the uh, is it a Pacific? I don't, I don't know what Harry's up to. Something like, anyway, it's a crossover SUV, all-electric one. We've actually covered it on TFL Cardock. But th um, those were kind of the heydays of. Uh, New car company starting up, right? There was mm -hmm. a lot of, you know, it was him and Tesla, of course. There was um, another company that took these cars and threw a, um, what was it, a Corvette engine in them? Yeah, yeah, that, that, that was, what's his name, Bob Lutz. Bob Lutz did that. Yeah, LS Because Lopper. he agreed with me. He said, you know, this is such a gorgeous car. It needs more power. It had a little bit of a mustache look. It looked like a villain, like a Dudley, du Dudley uh, Dastardly. Yeah, 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 Dastardly, you know. Yeah, it had that kind of look. Drat! Yeah. yeah, that guy. Yeah, but, but like I say, they're out there. Uh, like I said. Uh, they're cheap. Yeah, and they also had this, like, really funky infotainment system, which was kind of, you know, Tesla before Tesla. Uh, it's super slow, but it's kind of funky. I remember driving it. Uh, it also came with 22s. It was the first production car to come from the factory with 22s. Yeah, and it, and it looked like a concept car partially because of that. I mean, yeah. and, and even though I can't stand large wheels, they look really good on this car. They did. Let's talk about a much more affordable yeah, another collectible. Yeah, another car that, that is uh, really at its bottom right now. Actually, I just saw a uh, Wheeler Dealers with this car. What am I talking about? You're talking about the Saab 9.3 Vigan or Aero, or Vegan and Aero. Yeah, these are like it depends the, on where you live. These are like cars that were the top end of the Saab line mm -hmm. in the mid-size Saab, so they competed with the, like the M3 uh, series, right? Or yeah, they were the, super quick. The S uh, four, uh, Q4, A, oh, A4, and, RS4, there we go. Yeah, there Depending you go. on which one you're talking about. Well, they were produced between 99 and 2002, and yeah. that's the Vegan. Or yep. the Vigan. Vigan. And the uh, Aero V6 was produced between 2006 and 2010. So, so, so did the Wheeler Dealers did a Vigan. And you know what Vigan means? Vigan? Yeah, Vigan. You know what it means? It's in, in bigger Swedish? than small? No, it means lightning bolt. Oh, Vig oh, you mean Vigan. I thought you said yeah, Vigan. Yeah, it means lightning bolt. That, according to Wheeler Dealers, uh, it means lightning bolt. So, Which uh, makes sense from an aircraft company who's terrified of lightning bolts hitting them once they're flying. It sounds really, you know, I, I, if it would have been me, Saab, I would have gone with lightning bolt. <laughs> Vegan sounds a little too much like the vegan. Lightning. Yeah, it actually would sound pretty cool. But yeah, well, you know, Americans get confused, as do I, with simple names. I still can't pronounce uh, a couple names from Suzuki. Now, now the, the Vegan goes from like 6 to 10, and the Aero goes from uh, 6 to 12. I which think that, which the, are good prices yeah. for, for a vehicle that will be collectible. And the reason why we know it will be is because Saab is gone. Yeah, so the first one, I think the Vigan was still built under Saab ownership. And of it course, was. The Arrow was built under GM ownership. Exactly. And the, and the thing is, is that, you know, there are a lot of people who are really upset with GM for what they feel is torpedoing Saab and its uniqueness. And, and that may be true. But their cars were a little bit more affordable, a little bit easier to acquire. And for some of you guys out there who don't care about the difference, might be a really cheap way to get into this type of collection. Now we have we just bought a 900 turbo uh, 
convertible. Uh, and we're figuring out a lot of things about Saab. We're figuring out that the engineering is really cool, right? It's, and weird and difficult. And weird and difficult and expensive. So uh, it's got a, uh, 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 what do you call that? Not a horizontally mounted engine, but a... Um, a reverse mounted engine, engine yeah, yeah, It's yeah. backwards. Yeah, the engine's backwards, so the, the fan and all the stuff that lives on it faces the firewall. Yeah. And, that, and then it's front-wheel drive, but there's this funky differential that transfers the, you know, the, 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 I mean, it, the, the engine obviously spins this way, right? It's, it's a straight. Right. Right, but then you have some... It's an inline. To, yeah, it's an inline. Not, not mounted uh, across, which is the way that most cars are done, right? So that the drive shafts go right into the engine. Right, right, right. It, it, it's, it's longitudinally. It's longitudinally it's mounted. It and then you have the other spunky differential that right, takes it, that. It's like a transfer case almost yeah. where it actually has to take the power and switch it around in order yeah, to yeah. get it out to the wheels properly. And it was remarkably unique. And that car has lots of interesting problems, including the longest wait you will ever have between pressing on the accelerator and having the turbocharger kick It's in. got horrendous turbo drag. It's turbo. like three seconds. Yeah, it's horrendous. You put your foot down and you can count to three and then you get the thing to kick in. Torque steer is really bad. Um, the one we have is an automatic and because of that it's not as savage to drive. You drive the manual transmission one. You can put some hair on your chest, I tell you that. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, cool cars, expensive to work on, uh, and hard to get parts for, especially ours, the 900 Turbo. They've, they're old enough now where it's getting tricky. Uh, and all the mechanics who used to know all the tricks on how to work on them are actually slowly, uh, you know, retiring. Dead. Or Dead. <laughs> Gone. I mean, no, it's, it's... No, no, no. They're making their way to Valhalla. <laughs> that's, a, that's a much more politically correct way of putting it. All right, number four, Nathan. Number four is one of the most beautiful cars that is currently being built. Yes, I, it's, and, it's, and, it's, and this is not a debate. Years produced, 2018 to present. It is absolutely just stunning. The and Lexus LC uh, convertible. The, it's, it's both the LC and the convertible, the yeah. coupe and the convertible. Yeah. We're predicting that those will be collectible because they're freaking gorgeous. And no one's buying them for some reason. Well, because nobody's buying, I think it's COVID, <laughs> nobody's buying sports cars or they're anything the, else. They're the last but. of the big V8s, right? Because uh, Toyota still has a lot of credits that they can apply because they built a lot of hybrids so they can keep building V8s. Right. Uh, and uh, right now they're going for anywhere from 75 to 110 for the coupe or 101 and up for the convertible. But Nathan, I mean, you know, just a car that oozes uh, sex appeal and like, uh, style and panache. I could drive that car, even though I don't fit very well in it, honestly, I could drive that car for the rest of my life and feel like I'm a movie star or a rock star or yeah, something like that. Because, sure. and, and one with taste. Because it's not as ostentatious as some of the, you know, the Italian cars, you know, Lamborghini, Ferrari, but at the same time, it turns heads. Yeah, look, and, look, it's, it's, I think it's like 400 horsepower, which, you know, it's okay. Yeah, 400 horsepower is yesterday's 300, but tomorrow's 500. Um, so it's it's okay, uh, but uh, if you're buying it for sheer performance, you're probably better off. You, they're a lot faster cars, they're a lot quicker cars, a lot cars. Yeah, this is better. not a performance car. No. This is a grand touring yeah. vehicle that is. This is a car reliable. to be seen. To be seen in. This oh, is it's, the car it's to be seen in, and also to be seen in 10 years from now. Yeah. Where you don't have to mortgage your second mansion to fix it. Yeah, this is a car where you pull up to the restaurant and, and the valet's like, uh, I'm going to park that one. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it is the most beautiful Japanese car currently being built. It's right up there with some other products that were back in the 60s, you know, GT2000 and whatnot. But 
Oh my God, what a gorgeous car. And the one, the yellow one? Yeah, we had here. Yellow doesn't always work on cars, but no. boy, does it work on that car. All right, number three, like is uh, uh, another uh, Toyota product. Uh, and this is an odd one, but uh, there's a good story <laughs> behind it. We actually got to drive it in a funky way. It's the uh, uh, Toyota RAV4, the second generation that was built from 2012 to 2014. And, and what makes it unusual, Nathan? Oh, it's, it's terrible. It was built it's, in it's conjunction so bad. with Tesla. It, yeah, t Tesla, Elon Musk and, um, and Toyota actually uh, yeah. had lunch. Mr. Toyota. Yeah, a, a, most likely a drunken lunch, or in Elon's yeah. case, God only knows. But the point is, is that they sat down, they had lunch. And in Nathan's opinion, let's just <laughs> e Elon said, you know, in his pleasant way, man, I think I have something for you. And what he did was he convinced Toyota to use his powertrain in and their charged them form. through the nose for it. And charged them a ridiculous amount, which we'll never know the full extent of how much. But basically, Toyota sold these cars at a loss. Oh, every single one was a loss. And the thing is that you would think that, okay, well, Tesla powertrain is really good. It wasn't so good in this vehicle. But it was one of the first crossovers to actually be fully electric. But it was not an all-wheel drive crossover. No, that was weird. It was front-wheel drive. Yeah. 103 miles of range. Today they're going for about 15K if you can find one. They're very rare. Uh, and we actually got to test drive it. Where were we? We, we were in Arizona. In the desert. Yeah. Oh, my God. That was so funny because we, the, the long story short. We had a PR the, person with the us. The PR, PR people. Yeah. And they wouldn't Rome, let us like trust us. So they were like, can we go with you? And we're like, you're not going to want to do this. It's no, really we, boring. We threw them out. But, we actually yeah. got them out of the car yeah, and left like them in the middle of the degrees. desert. Yeah. And we went driving back and forth and back and we're like waving as we drove by because we wanted to film a video without a bunch of people sitting in the car talking and yeah. this one particular one looking really pissed off. Yeah, well basically video production is a lot of hurry up and wait, right? Yeah. Just driving back and forth or in front of the camera, getting different angles. Uh, and, you know, we said, you're not going to enjoy this. This is not very sexy. And, you know, they stood in the 100 degree sun waiting for us to get done. And it takes a long time. Uh, so that was that was actually pretty funny. Because um, it's hysterical is what it was. Because, because, you know, we're like, hey, we try to warn you. Well, yeah, and we're a video company, so it's not, and we can't have people in the car when we're no, talk, driving and talking about the car. You can have like a third person while we're reviewing it, sitting in the back there. Especially look, somebody who can't add to the video, which yeah, look, is what look, you guys look, want to see. Looking at the press release saying, no, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we wanted to, to get a chance to feel it, and, and we did. And we drove it around, and you know what's really funny? We actually did that at the RAV4 launch for the next generation RAV4. Yeah. Remember? I remember, and, yeah. It was, um, <clears throat> to say that it was an uninspiring drive, everything great about EVs, the immediate torque and the, you know, the power, it just that. didn't really have anything like that. So the one thing it does have is a lot of good storage space. Um, there's, they made some decent space despite the batteries. Uh, but otherwise, it really wasn't much of a vehicle. But, I kept thinking the Nissan Leaf is just as good as this. One of the first crossovers, right? True but, crossover. You, uh, so and... And it's got the uh, dubious distinction of having some of Toyota's lowest like reliability ratings ever. So, oh, it, 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 yeah, that's which the other is thing. hard to do with an all-electric car. It, it really is, and that's that's the thing, guys. If you're considering this, make sure you look at the service bulletins. Make sure you know exactly what you're getting into because it is extremely expensive to service some of these components. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Number two, Nathan, is the uh, Dodge Viper and Viper ACR built from. Uh, 2008 to 10 and then 2015 to 17. Mm. Uh, basically the last generation Viper. And you know, why is it special? Well, ultra low volume. Uh, how much are they going for right now? They're going for like 115,000 still. Uh, or up to 200. Uh, the AC. These are the, the ACRs yeah. that are going for that. Yeah, the ACR probably never came less. down. So basically, what uh, Dodge figured out was well, the biggest problem with them was you can only get them in a manual. There's nothing wrong with that. No, there's nothing wrong with that unless you're like a rich old dude. <laughs> 
who wants a sports car but can't drive uh, a manual I, I, I don't want to put it in any gear. I just want to just put my foot down and go. Which is the, yeah. which is the demographic for this, right? Yeah, a lot of a lot of people who. Yeah. I mean, unless stupid rich bloggers were buying them, but outside of that, it was old dudes. Uh, and they were kind of not uh, willing to shift their own gear, at least some. I shouldn't speak to all of them, but it, it certainly made it a lot less attractive to a lot of people. Uh, and then finally, they figured out that what this thing was really good for was like breaking track records, right? They oh put this God, big wing on monster. it, big big air dam in the front. It was a monster, and they went around the country and broke every record at every American racetrack, uh, and that's the ACR. Uh, and it's a, just a pure out sports car. But uh, it was, uh, you know, my, my issue with it was, and uh, Ralph, who designed this, Ralph Giles, if you're listening, uh, you know, I, I think we've talked about this in person. Uh, it, it was, you know, he got, it was, it, FCA had just purchased uh, a Dodge, right? And FCA owned, um, as part of their corporate structure, Ferrari, so they had access to Ferrari, like, seats and designers and such and and he tried to make it like an american ferrari and and i always thought it should be the exact opposite right it should mm. be american harley not the american ferrari i am so sorry you're so wrong it's i mean it's it, i understand roman and i have a very I, I, different i did point not like that car nathan I, no I, no you didn't you didn't I hated it very with well. a burning passion yeah you did, you did. I, I put my hand in it here's what happened i stuck my hand I, I sat down in the car for the first time i stuck my hand in to move the seat back because i could not drive it without actually looking like my mom right because i couldn't see over the top of the a-pillar right? right i had to drive it like this so i wanted to move the seat back there's a piece of plastic trim that like like tore into my skin and so now i'm sitting in the car with blood gushing out of my hand which is just what because i tried to, to do yeah which I'm, because i try to change the seat right and then like my feet are 20 degrees hotter than my head because you've got the side pipes that are you know and yeah that's like an american harley but Come on, just you know, it shouldn't it shouldn't bite you that hard. Okay, and then the difference here is that I had nothing but pleasurable experiences driving it and pounding one around a track so hard that I, I've never spun a car more than once in terms of like you know testing it on a track. Never. This car spun three times. Well, it wants to kill you, and that makes it a really good car. It, it was also the time I realized I was a real truck. I was a truck guy. Because uh, I was driving it on the program, we were in San Francisco. It was pissing down. I mean, pissing oh, down rain. Yeah, yeah, and all yeah. of a sudden, there's just like explosions. I go, and I thought somebody had actually shot at us. I thought they saw the Viper and decided to take a pot shot at it because the rear glass exploded. Come to find out later that that was like a problem with the early pre-production models, right? The glass would explode. Uh, and there's a guy in a, you know, we're, since we're filming, there's a guy in a oh, car wagon right. behind us and he pulls up and he says, hey, you know, we need to fix this thing because we're going to the track and we don't want, you know, rain falling into it, which was happening. Uh, you want to take the power wagon back and then we'll give it back to the track. I said, hell yeah, got in the power wagon. I was like, this is my vehicle. Mm -hmm. You know, given the choice between a Viper and a I will take a power wagon every day. Sunny so, of room, I could see over things. Yeah. Cup holders. It's really, it's a difficult argument for me to take up, except you can use a power wagon to tow a Viper on a trailer, <laughs> and then you'll have double bliss, which I highly <laughs> recommend. I loved the Viper. I loved every version of the Viper. I loved how insane it was, how ridiculous it was, how manly it was, how hard it was to drive fast. But if you could drive it fast, that meant that A, you knew what you were doing, or B, you just were too stupid to understand what safety actually meant. I've seen people take those things on the track and absolutely shred anything nearby, Corvettes, Ferraris, you name it. They're really, really ridiculous. But I do agree that they're also very primitive and not up to Roman standards. But you can buy one for a lot less than what we mentioned here. These are the, this is the ACR prices, and those are the tracked versions. So, 
So I get to the track, it's pissing down rain, FCA does this come to God talk with us, we'll let you on the track, but we're gonna have to put like a race car driver because Sears Point uh, has a lot of elevation changes, right? Oh, yeah. So you start up and you go up this big hill and you come down. And look, dude, you know, I'm not a race car driver. I don't pretend to be one. There's nothing to be learned from me going quickly in a Viper, except that I will be the first person to put it into the wall and have 200 other journalists tweet my face and the crash car around the world. So I get in the car and there's this guy who's like this French dude and the first thing he says to me, race car driver, he's, I used to ice without Tom Senna. I'm like, good, good for you, dude, right? And yeah. so I'm babying this thing around Sears Point because there's standing water. You remember, I don't know if you saw the video, but there oh, was yeah. a lake at the bottom of the racetrack, in the racetrack, right? They actually, it could have been a boat down there. And so I'm babying it around. He's like, go faster, go faster. I'm like, there is nothing to be learned by me going faster. And then I hit a cone and they kicked me out of the car. Yeah, it's no fair because you had an angry Frenchman in the car with you. When I drove one, I had an absolutely amazing Brazilian in the car with me, a male. And uh, it, was, it was a really good experience. I got to drive one around um, uh, Austin, the big oh. uh, motor speedway there. Oh, and Coda. I, oh, my God. I got Circuit to, of the Americas. Yeah, Circuit of the Americas. Well, that's a better track for it. It's a way a better track. And it was dry. Tra it's a high-speed track. Oh, my God. I got to open that thing up. And I got to do the same thing in a Jeep uh, SRT8. That's a whole different story. Um, but let's continue because the next vehicle is one I think Roman and I will both agree on in terms of it being a missed opportunity and yeah. it's a mystery as well. Yes, yeah, so our number one vehicle is the Chevy. No, yeah, S the number one. I'm sorry. Yeah, the Chevy SS uh, produced from 2014 to 2017. Obviously, it started life, life out as a Holden, right? Um, where uh, it did really well in Australia. It was like the ultimate Holden there. Uh, right now they're going for pretty good money according to this, 35 to 45,000. But let's talk about what was, why it didn't work. I mean, they had the big Corvette LS under the hood. Well, it was an option, it was it, an option. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and you could get a manual. And you could get a manual. It was basically, you could be, it was kind of like they had that M3 Magic. It could be a family car or it could be a balls out, mm -hmm. uh, you know, tire burning, burnout producing monster. Now, I've had an opportunity to drive all the different G8s that Pontiac built, and it's the same car, basically, yeah. or a very similar car. The Pontiac GTO. Yeah, well, no, 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 but the G8 came after the right. GTO, and right. had, it was a much bigger vehicle, actually. And the GXP was their big engine with the manual transmission, and that basically worked its way over to the Chevy SS. Now, here's the thing about it. Well, Pontiac was still... Well, the Pontiac went away. Um, but the thing is, is that Chevrolet, for some reason, and this is the mystery, yeah. never promoted this vehicle. Never. We got one. Yeah. The older one, too, not the one. Yeah, it was the like they didn't want it or something. It was weird. They, 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 they just didn't care about it. I asked them about it, and they would just smile and shake their heads. They yeah, never they, had a commercial with yeah, this vehicle. They never saw commercials no, or nothing, nothing online, no billboards, or... nothing real. I mean, maybe in Detroit, but the point is, is that this car was just like an unloved stepchild that they never really wanted to invest any time or money into. And, and, and it's a shame. And the other problem with it was it kind of, the Holden looks kind of badass. This thing they kind of made, I don't know what they did, but they didn't make it look as fire breathing as I think they should have, right? This should have been like uh, GM's version of, uh, of a Charger. The, I agree. And the Pontiac, when it was out, looked a little bit more the right. part. It definitely looked a little bit more aggressive. And the thing is, is that for some reason, whoever was at Chevy at the time, who was in charge of design was just like, no, 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 no. We want it to be as mellow looking as possible. Yeah, yeah. Just Maybe bunch to be a sleeper. Bunch of, bunch of chrome. Yeah, it was this ultimate sleeper. It, 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 but it didn't, yeah. it, it didn't feel like a sleeper either. No, it drove it like, a, like, like a badass. Oh, it was bad out of hell, dude. But and, it, and they handled great. They were brilliant cars. And the interior was decent. Nothing special. But it was comfortable and, and it was a big car. It was a spiritual successor to the Caprice. 
but a much more advanced vehicle, much more driver-centric vehicle. And yes, the Impala that came out later, they did have uh, the, the Caprice pursuit or whatever yeah. that went to the police department that actually so, there are a few still around so zach wrote up this list he said they're going 35 to 45 i'm not sure about that that seems like that, that's how much they were when they were newish i think they're probably they probably depreciated i've yeah. seen them for much cheaper than that. i've I'm seen crazy. them for a lot cheaper yeah than that I, I think well. you guys can get them a lot cheaper so don't, i think don't, 20 would be realistic yeah don't take that i think that was maybe a a, a misprint here because zach was really sick when he wrote this the thing is is that those cars i feel are really underappreciated and in time already you're seeing it with the G8 and the GXP version of it that these cars are becoming more and more sought after by people who realize this is a great American car because technically it is American that I can tune and make into an absolute BMW killer and at the same time maintain an individualistic identity. All right, and we get a bonus, and this is a bonus that I put in, oh not God, Nathan. Because you in this car, yeah, I know, I know, it's a guilty pleasure. Uh, it's the Cadillac ELR, produced oh, from man. 2014 to 2016. Uh, it's a giant, colossal flop for GM because basically they, they took the uh, the Volt, not the Bolt, the, the Volt, first generation Volt, Volt too. yeah, and then they rejiggered it, re-engineered it, uh, chassis shared it, and made it into a Cadillac. Yeah. Uh, uh, right now, they're anywhere between, I, I think this is right, 18 to 27. That sounds a little bit more, yeah. More, yeah. Uh, one third when they cost you, and that was really the problem, right? Remember how much those, like a, like a Volt at that time was going for like 40K or something, right? At the most, yeah. yeah. And then, I guess how much this cost? Like double that. 60. No, double. They were up, up to 80, dude. 80 grand. Yeah. And the thing is, is that the underpinnings are basically a Bolt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what you were paying for was a really nice look, and they were pretty. Really nice. They were really good looking cars on the outside, but really it wasn't much more than a Bolt underneath. A Bolt. Yeah. Volt. Volt, yeah, not yeah, Volt. Sorry, Volt. the V, Volt. Yeah, you're, 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 you know, you're uh, putting it into an all-electric. It was a hybrid, right? It was so the the hybrid. Volt, Volt had like, I think like 40 miles of range in the ELR. Yeah, the, the, the plug-in hybrid. Yeah, and, yeah. But it was basically the same system of as all-electric Volt. Range, I should yeah. say. Uh, uh, what I loved about it was it had uh, these doors that just like, you know, right. beautiful pair of legs went on forever, right? These were like, you could not park that thing in any parking space because the door would be about two acres long. Well, and that was one of the big differences. This was a two-door. Yes, it was Whereas in the Volt is a four-door. Right. Yeah, so right. that was one of the major differences design-wise. Beautiful interior. I mean, like GM really put a lot of time and effort into making this, you know, the Cadillac of my dreams. I, I, love, I love the styling on the outside. It wasn't very quick. I mean, let's face it, you know, the, the gas the engine wasn't very powerful. No. The battery wasn't very powerful. It was kind of a, you know, it was one of, the problem with, look, a hybrid, I think, Nathan, is uh, it's the worst of both worlds, right? You're carrying around a, both an engine and a motor. Right. Why? So it makes it heavy. It makes it more you know, complex. More complex. And, yeah. You know, you know, we were just talking about getting uh, maybe an i3 uh, for a long-term review, but you said something that's true. You, why do you want both those? Why do you want the problems with the, the maintenance on a motor and batteries and an engine and transmission, you know, all, all that. And, and that was the problem with this. It, it was just too complicated, but just sexy. There's a candy apple red that I still lust after. We're probably going to see one of those in the studio in the next couple of years because I have a feeling Roman will I can not have, be It's going to come exist. down. It's going to come down more. Uh-huh. It's got to come down more. It'll come know? down $1,000 and all of a Roman's like, yeah, I got one. The thing is, is that, honestly, um, there was one more thing about that car. I did drive one. Yeah. And... Um, 
It, it drove really nice. Yeah. Uh, they revised the suspension, so it was a much more compliant, yeah, much more Cadillac, you know, like Cadillac. Yeah. so it was kind of floaty, and it handled pretty good, but it wouldn't get out of its own way compared to other Cadillac it components. Was slow. Yeah, it was slow, yeah, I mean, that Volt is a much, you compare the two, it's a much smaller car. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. It same is. drivetrain. Yeah, exactly. And I think at the end of the day, the reason why people just absolutely did not buy them, and they didn't. They, they, it was too expensive. It's just too bloody pricey for yeah. what you're getting. Yeah. And most people who are buying a Cadillac, they're not idiots. I mean, no. They understand, oh, well, this is basically a Chevy with a you know, bad sharing. Yeah, imagine if you had like two apples, right? A Red Delicious and a Granny Smith. Mm -hmm. And the Red Delicious was $2 and the Granny Smith was $4. You're like, I'll just take the Red Delicious. Right. Well, and then that's exactly it. Yeah. And, and, and the other side of it is... It just didn't appeal to that audience. At the time, I think that their timing was off and they weren't able to really get that audience that they can probably get now in terms of getting a plug-in hybrid that you know is kind of fashionable. It's a much different world right now. I mean, it was only a couple of years ago that they built this car. Yeah. But a lot of things have changed since then. I mean, look, they could have made it all electric even back then, right? GM had an all-electric car 20 years ago. They could have made this all electric. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But once again, it's a guilty pleasure for me. Uh, I just love the car. Uh, the, the problem with it is exactly what you said. Every time I think about seriously buying one, I'm like, what do I do with it? It, it just It's not a great electric car. It's not a great gas car. No, it's not. It's... It doesn't do anything particularly well. It's just it just some, looks really good. In my yeah, eyes. it looks really good, and, and that counts for a lot. Yeah, you know, it's 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 the prom queen of cars. It's, it's it's shallow on the inside, but it's beautiful on the outside. So let us know in the comments below what other cars you think are future collectibles. I'm sure we missed a whole bunch. Be, uh, be reasonable about this, guys. You know, we're talking about somewhat recent cars. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, not you know, you know, BMW 2002. <laughs> Yeah, we, we get know. it. We, we know. <laughs> Porsche 911 air cooled. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we get it. Yeah, we get it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, this is a little trickier, right? You have to come up with like cars from the last 10 years that 30 years from now are actually going to be the BMW 2002, right? Right. And there are plenty of other cars out there. And notice we didn't add any pickup trucks to this. And that's because pickup trucks inherently cannot be collectible because we're too busy out there breaking them. No, it's because we're talking cars, not trucks. That's another reason why <laughs> they're inherently unstable for this particular video show. All right, guys. Uh, remember, go back to uh, uh, TFLcar.com. If you're listening to this as a podcast and you want to look at these cars, go over to our uh, TFL Talk. A YouTube channel where we actually have pictures or video of these cars. Uh, uh, and thank you for joining us for another episode. Thanks for uh, sitting in for Tommy, Nathan. Oh, my pleasure. Guys, take care of yourselves. We'll see you next time. Ciao. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.